Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before. We're hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. How do terrible ideas get taken so seriously on college campuses? It's Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. Because four hours simply isn't enough. This is Armstrong and Getty Extra Large. So freaking interesting. We've been fans of these people ever since the grievance studies thing hit last January. Yeah, the fake papers that they got into various journals. Peter Bogosian, James Lindsay, and Helen Pluckrose. They made up just ridiculous crap. I mean, ridiculous. No, As you say, nobody but an academic could believe it. Oh, yeah, but fall down funny crap. And actually got them accepted into various peer-reviewed journals and fancy universities across the country. Yep. Peter Bogosian wrote a piece for the Wall Street Journal recently, Idea Laundering in Academia. Peter is an assistant professor of philosophy right in the belly of the beast, Portland State University. He's also the co-author of a book, How to Have Impossible Conversations, that we need to talk about at some point down the road, but probably not today. Peter Bogosian joins us. Uh, Peter, this is a real pleasure. We've been looking forward to talking to you for some time. I love talking to you guys. I really do. And I sincerely appreciate your support because I can't do what, what I do without, without you. So thanks. 
Yeah, when the whole grievance studies story hit, we were just so taken with it, and it was so exciting for everyone. And I've watched a ton of YouTube videos with you and James Lindsay and that over the last year or so. But has any progress been made? Are, are universities uh, better off than they were before you did this? Or uh, That's a good question. No, no, no progress has been made. In fact, um, they've, du- they've doubled down on their nonsense and there you go. fake scholarship and attempts to successful attempts to, to self-credential. So the situation, as I see it, has actually gotten worse inside the academy. But outside the academy, with the Dave Chappelle comedy show or Bill Burr or certain cultural, now they want to you know, ungender Santa Claus. Um, I think outside the academy, you're seeing pushback. But with inside the academy, absolutely, it's absolutely gotten worse. Well, I, and I, I'm sorry to hear that, given the number of dollars American families are throwing at educating their young ones. Are you surprised to hear that? I'm no, not surprised. Not in the least. I mean, it's the same dynamic of power you see in government and anywhere else where power and money are at stake. Self-policing rarely works. But I do love the idea that more and more people are feeling, um, I hate to use the term empowered because it's straight out of grievance studies, but uh, <laughs> they're, they're, they're feeling more empowered to call bullshit on this stuff. And, and they realize, wait a minute, I'm not a bad person because I think this is goofy. Um, this is goofy. Oh, no, right. And not only that, you're not a bad person because you're a male. You're also not a rapist because you're a male. You're not a bad person because you're white. You, you, your, your ancestral line has absolutely nothing to do with your decency and dignity as a person. So I think it was the Wall Street Journal that ran your piece about idea laundering where you explained that whole thing, and that's why we wanted to have you on today because I found this fascinating because I've wondered all along, where did this stuff come from? How did this stuff catch on? Can you explain idea laundering to us? Yeah, so think about it this way. This is how they get away with it. This is how they do it, and here's how they do it. Let me give you an example. Let's Let's say the three of us, have some kind of moral idea. Like, let's just give me a moral idea. Like, you know, um, I don't know. Like, we, it's wrong to steal. We, I don't... Yeah, it's wrong to steal. Or I was thinking like something contemporary political issue. Like, you know, uh, you know, impeach Trump for moral offenses. Okay, so we have an idea. You know, build a wall. Let's just use that one. We need to build a wall, or we need to build a wall. It doesn't matter what it is. Okay. You have this strong moral urge. You feel something really strong in your heart. I have this strong moral urge. I'm in the academy. I'm a professor at a university. We both know, we both hang out. Maybe we know each other from Twitter, or maybe we know each other in real life or Facebook or what have you. So we, we all, you, me, a couple other people have these strong moral urges. What we do as a result of that is, I make a journal, and in that I call it the journal of you know um, some some fancy academic name. I take papers into my journal that push the narrative, whatever moral narrative I want to push. Stealing is wrong. Stealing is right. We want to build a wall. Everybody should be polyamorous. No, it doesn't matter what it is. Am I clear so far? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cool. We then publish in this journal, my journal that I create. I, we take those articles and I start teaching them to my students. So the idea, it's called idea laundering. This is Brett Warren, my friend Brett Weinstein's idea. He was the professor who was um, hunted at Evergreen. It comes in as an idea and it goes out as knowledge. 
So when you ask these people, well, how do you know that obesity is just a narrative? How do you know that there's white fragility and that all whites are racist? How do you know that whatever insane idea they want to put forth, how do you know there's no such a thing as biological sex? Well, it's in this journal. But the journal itself is bogus. So the whole journal is, is it's been fabricated whole cloth. You have a bunch of ideologues who get together, who have a moral idea, make a journal, publish in the journal, and it comes out the other end as knowledge. And I imagine it's chock full of highly questionable research, generally. Not even questionable, totally fabricated. The whole thing is fabricated. It's fabricated whole cloth. It's no relationship to reality whatsoever. Wow. That's bold. There's no scientific method. There's no control groups. There's no testing. There's literally nothing. So it's so it's purposeful then. They, I mean, they they make this stuff up because they're so certain of their moral belief that they're they're willing to make this up so that they can t- teach it. Well, I'm teaching straight out of this journal, right? This peer right. reviewed journal, right? And but your exactly. peers are all whack jobs like you. <laughs> <laughs> so, That's right, and it's it's even worse listening to you guys. You're just you really are such nice people and. The, we're talking about some really vile ideologues here. So it's yes. far worse than that characterization. So it's not only that. So the way that this game works, if you get seven papers in seven years, if you're on a tenure track, you, you, get, you receive tenure. When you receive tenure, that's a job for life. So you have now fabricated a journal. It's totally untethered to reality. You're teaching these things to students as knowledge. Those students are getting out and going to the workplace, they're going to Google, like what they did to the Google engineer, James Damore, famous from the now Google memo. They're going to Twitter and the shadow banning. They're going to YouTube and institutionalizing demonetization. But even within the academy itself, they institute mechanisms to restrict speech, right? Bias response teams. A student can anonymously be reported to over 200 universities have bias response teams. Offices of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. And these words don't mean what you think they mean. So they institutionalize these deranged ideas that they themselves have manufactured in journals, which are completely unscientific. These are the ramblings of ideologues. And they point to all of this stuff as knowledge. And anybody who questions it is a racist or a bad person or a homophobe or a bigot. Well, and I'd imagine that each iteration of it, each layer of or every semester it's taught adds to the credibility. Right. One of the things yeah. you mentioned in your article is building up over time, over decades or whatever, some of these whack job uh, ideas. You know, you get more and more articles from multi-generations yeah. that sign on to this crap. That is absolutely correct. And that's how they manufacture a canon of knowledge. This is a completely pretend canon of knowledge. Well, and and honestly, what makes it so terrible and makes me so worried about it is that these ideologies, as you mentioned, are utterly repugnant. If you're a student right. of, of of global politics, of history, whatever, you understand that inter-ethnic, interracial, interreligious strife is the source of most of the horrors, um, you know, putting aside communism, um, of of the last several centuries, if you can whip right. up people to believe that the other is evil, which is what these exactly. people are doing all the time, I mean the, the the results are truly horrific. Right, and again, you got you are very nice people. It's not only that they're evil; privilege is their original sin. But unlike original sin, from which you can find redemption, 
through the Savior, Jesus Christ. There is no redemption for these people. If you were born white and male and cis and hetero, I would use a word, but we're on the air, beginning with F. We can believe it. You are fucked. There's for life. no redemption. That's it. Yeah, you're, you're, you're irrevocably stained, indelibly stained by your whiteness, your maleness, your privilege, your heterosexuality, and your cisgenderedness. That doesn't sound at all Nazi. So somebody, so somebody could start decades ago, you know, some something about white privilege and and start right. um, uh, a journal, and by right. now they're uh, they're a senior member on whatever campus, and they're looked at. Here's somebody yep. that for 25 years has been doing research yep. into this completely made up. It's been made up the entire time, right. and they're an expert. They're a quote unquote expert, and the media contact them, and they teach students, and their students then go on at 25 years, they go on to leadership positions. And they sway the academy, and they, you, they're the ones that you hear. What, they're consulted. They're consulted for jury cases. I'm telling you, this is a massive problem. And, and the question becomes for the university system, as my friend Bert Weinstein said, if, you're, if, if you have a dog and your dog has rabies, that's not your dog anymore. If your dog has cancer, then you get the dog treated. Does the university system have rabies or does it have cancer? Mm. Interesting. And I think it, at this point, the university system has rabies. It's irredeemable and nothing can be done about it. Wow. It's only going to get worse. Wow. Uh, am I correct that, and, and I'm thinking of um, the recent move in the University of California system that you must submit a statement of diversity, yes. is that what it's called, yep. to get hired. Yep. I imagine hiring practices are highly tilted toward recruiting people who are going to toe the party line. Well, yeah, okay, so this is in another conversation, but you're absolutely correct. Diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we should probably spell those words out at some point, but you have to hire a diversity statement. Moreover, and I published a piece in the Philosopher's Magazine about this called Diluted Departments. Here's how it works. One of the single greatest insights in all of critical thinking comes from the, a man by the name of Dr. Michael Shermer. Why do smart people believe weird things? Well, we've answered that question. Here's the answer to it. Because smart people are better at rationalizing bad ideas. Uh-huh. In other words, the smarter you are, the better you are at justifying a bad conclusion, and then you convince yourself that it's true. Okay. That same mechanism operates when you have more people involved. So if you have 10 people involved, they're better at rationalizing a bad idea. What we have now in the university system is we have entire university departments that are pumping out justifications for complete nonsense. And those justifications are themselves based upon the literature that these people have fabricated. Well, and, and if it were merely that they were claiming dinosaurs were ancient giant people, I mean, that would be right. idiotic and, and, and you know, uh, and contemptible from an intellectual point of view. But the fact that they're pitching the most horrific s- sort of ideologies is... Yeah, you talk about being fucked. Um, I was watching a YouTube video with, I think, you and James Lindsay, or maybe it was just James, talking about the whole critical race thing and how it's a no-win situation. Mm-hmm. And I worry about this raising a... I got a couple of young white boys. 
um, right. uh, where either you're you're a racist or you're anti-racist in the in the new theory of things. Either you're actively working, either you admit you're a racist and you actively right. work toward being anti-racist, which is defined. It's undefinable and undefined by others. So they can, will tell you what it means. Yeah, exactly. You can't ever right. win. And that stuff, uh, it, 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 it makes my head want to explode, but it seems to actually be happening. Right. It's called a Kafka trap. And that is, we, so this is, the, this is the way they view the world. We already know you're a racist, so you should just admit it and work toward it. And if you say, no, I'm not a racist, they point to the fact that you said, no, I'm not a racist, as evidence that you're a racist. So there's literally nothing that you can do if you start with the idea that someone is a racist, no matter what they say is taken as evidence of their racism. Uh, it, you know, there's, 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 there's no redemption. Let me just, let me just go on. So my yeah. daughter is, was adopted from China. We got her as a waiting child, which means she's disabled. And I'm not using that as a weapon or touting that around. That's not evidence that you're not a racist. If my wife were African-American, she's not. But if she were, that would also not be evidence that you're not a racist. There is no evidence that you can provide somebody that you're not a racist. The starting given is that you're a racist. How many people think like you on college campuses as opposed to the whack jobs? Who's winning this that battle is, in terms of numbers? Yeah, that is a fantastic question. The Part of the problem is we don't know. So we don't know because people are afraid to voice their actual opinions. Because if they voice their actual opinions, then the mob will come for them. And we have seen over and over and over again, you know, Laura Kipnis writes some great stuff about how Title IX has been used. We, we don't really know how many people hate this. I mean, people will come up to me and they'll whisper something or I'll get emails. Think about this. Just really think about this. I'll get emails, anti-Trump emails on PSU's uh, university server. Now I should say I'm a liberal and I'm an atheist and I don't like Trump to say the least, but that is so inappropriate. It's beyond inappropriate to use university mechanisms to give political opinions. Here's the other thing. These people have managed, and I know this is going to sound utterly crazy, but it's true, and the evidence bears this out. First, they came to the conservatives. There's only one person at the entire Portland State University who I know of who's a conservative. Now, there may be others, but they're probably too terrified to speak up. Wow. There's one moderate, and they've come for him. You should look Bruce Gilliop. He wrote the paper, The Case for Colonialism, and they have been griefing him. He, this is fascinating. He wanted to have a course. Now, again, this is not a conservative. He is a centrist moderate. But for these people, Stephen Pinker calls it the left pole. If you're on the left, everybody, the far left, everybody looks like they're on the right. So I, as a liberal atheist, look like I'm on the right. They think I'm on the far right. So this guy, Bruce Gilley, wanted a course in conservative political thought. The university denied it because they said there wasn't enough diversity in the course. So so they've come for him. They need to now teach a course on irony there at Portland State, <laughs> Peter. Right. Now they're coming for the liberals, right? So now they're coming for people like me because I am a show, whatever they, they want to say. But, the, but here's the problem with this. Part of the problem is they have created this insane ecosystem where anytime you want to voice Anytime you even ask somebody for evidence, hey, what's your evidence for that? That's construed as racist. Think about that. That's a micro asking someone for evidence is a microaggression. 
This is the exact opposite of what we should be doing in a university. Because, yeah, evidence and and appealing to logic is uh, white paternalism-based, traditional. Right, we're screaming away from the Enlightenment back towards somebody at the top gets to decide what's true and what's not. Exactly. And, And the idea is you can't disable the master's house with the master's tools. Reason, evidence, the scientific method, those are all from white, cis, heterosexual males. Therefore, they're tainted as evil. You know, that's why Hitler hated communism, because Marx was a Jew, right? This is the kind of the same thing that's in place, the same way of thinking that's in place. Wow, it's just, it's so troubling. I mean, the idea, uh, the ideology itself is incredibly troubling. The idea that young people at their most vulnerable vulnerable are being indoctrinated into this is truly disgusting. I don't... Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we have a voice and a, and a reasonably, uh, you know, significant one. This is incredibly disturbing. Yeah, and I really, this is the message I really want to get to people. And I I'm hope that I articulate this. So do you guys know what phrenology is? Yeah, I think uh, so, yeah. Reading the lumps on people's heads, is that what that is? Yeah. Okay, so let's say that these lunatics were had journals of phrenology, and that's idea laundering, right? They write about phrenology, they know it's true. They say, how do you know it's true? They point to all these articles in the Journal of Phrenology. (laughs) And then they start, you know, not only testing people's skulls, but they start assigning scholarships on the basis of the protuberances in your head. Like, oh, this guy has a bump at L7 or whatever, you know, put him in engineering. Okay. So if the people in power who are advocating phrenology are liberals, and I call out phrenology as not having enough evidence, that does not make me a conservative. That just makes me someone who doesn't think there's enough evidence to institutionalize an insane idea. If the people in power are conservatives, and I call it out, it doesn't matter their political orientation. They're peddling bad ideas. And this is not a matter of right or left or liberal or atheist or believer. It's none of that. This stuff is pure, unadulterated bullshit. And they're teaching this to kids as knowledge and it's got to stop to what extent does this sort of thing resemble a religious cult in its It's norms and its enforcement mechanisms and the rest it's a complete religious cult and and james Lindsay and helen pluckrose and i have written about that extensively you know they have the same mechanisms blasphemy is is big in the religious space they have the same mechanisms with political correctness this case, however, they can actually enforce those mechanisms, uh, enforce blasphemy or political correctness with the university mechanisms. And at some point, we should let's do let's do this. Let's okay. There are two things going on we haven't talked about that I think are very important. One is if you just think about this issue as a free speech issue, you're not understanding the whole thing. These people do not just want to take away your freedom of speech. This is an issue of cognitive liberty. They want you to think a very certain way, and if you don't do that, they will punish you. And when you understand the problem like that, you understand how unbelievably serious it is and why these ideologues have to be stopped. That's some damned interesting stuff, man. Okay, and what was the second point? You said you had two? Well, okay, yeah, I have two. So... You know, okay, it's very complicated. What they've managed to do, why this is so difficult, is if I say the word to you, social justice, 
most of it, well, of course I'm for social justice. Who isn't for social justice? It's like the word affirmative action. Of course I'm for affirmative action. Of course I'm for positive action. But the words don't mean what people think they mean. So when you say, do you want, you know, the big push on universities now is to have inclusion, right? And if you just look at the word inclusion, you're like, well, inclusion, who do, what kind of, every sane person should want inclusion. Well, yeah, every sane person should want inclusion. If someone is a minority or a sexual minority or trans, of course they should be included in the conversation. Of course they should feel welcomed. But that's not what inclusion is, okay? So inclusion means welcoming, right? Just the definition of inclusion. What is, what is to include someone? It means to make them feel welcome. But if somebody says something that could make someone feel unwelcome, then the space isn't in- inclusive anymore. So what we need to do is to restrict speech so that people won't say anything that make other people feel unwelcome. So when you hear the word inclusion, what that should s- translate that in your head is restricted speech. That's what the word inclusion means. And that's another way to rob people of their cognitive liberty. Wow. Wow. Good stuff. Um you know, I, I think the best thing we can do is to recommend folks uh, follow you and and James and Helen on, on the Twitter and, and read the stuff you write, and we'll certainly bring it to people's attention as it comes out. Yeah, keep fighting the good fight, and we'll stay in touch. I love watching the videos. I love reading your stuff. You know, well, thank you. We we appreciate your support. And what I said at the beginning of the hour is true. We we're just we can't do. That. I'm trying to fight a whole university system, I, and I'm trying to take on a system of indoctrination. And, you know, most people, they don't even know what a peer-reviewed paper is. And when I call out this nonsense, they come for me. So when I have the support of you guys, that's a huge deal. That, that, that makes it possible for me to fight, keep fighting this fight. So I'm incredibly grateful. Well, use us like garden tools, Peter, because we, <laughs> we believe that stuff, and we're with you. Well, thank you. I sincerely appreciate that. All right, thank so, you so much. Always great to talk. Thanks a million. Extra Large. When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you. Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe. We're cleaning like never before, but hospital-grade cleaning. You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro. No mask, no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doingourpart. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.